The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I was up late last night. I know. Party animal. That Dan. You guys probably saw me partying away on Twitter. Posting a picture of the good news. We're having another kid. Numero dos. Thank you, by the way, to everybody that uh, wrote such wonderful things back to me when I posted that picture on Twitter. Figured it's... Kind of fun to make the announcement that way. Very simple, cut and dry, cut and dry kind of announcement. Uh, announcing it here on the podcast as well. We are expecting our second child due in April. Very excited about that. Very excited to not get any sleep. But luckily, um, the due date is right around the end of the NBA season. So hopefully my complete and total uselessness right after that will coincide with the playoffs and the offseason. So you guys are all free from it. I mean, there will be podcasts, obviously, but they're not make-or-break ones. So if I say something completely insane, you can just say, oh, he's, he's just sleepy. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, everybody. This is Wednesday's edition. I am Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Please do follow me on Twitter. We do a lot of work over there. I don't know how many times I got to tell you guys. At Dan Bespris, or just Google search Dan from Hoopball. Hey, uh, beginning of the podcast, I wanted to please ask you guys, if you like what you guys have been hearing on the show, if this has been a fun and, and useful thing for you, please drop a nice five-star review on it. Uh, open up the podcast app on your Apple mobile device. The iTunes ones are the ones that really seem to sink in the most. Uh, search for Fantasy NBA Day, click on the show title, and then scroll down to the bottom of that resultant page. And that's where you can do the rating and review. So please, please, please take 20 seconds to do it. It's a big deal for us over here. As we add to those ratings, we get ranked higher and higher on the iTunes charts. More people can find us. We can continue to grow. We can get more, uh, well, advertisers. That's a pretty big deal. And then we can keep this thing free forever because that's what we're going to do. This show is also brought to you by the good folks at Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. H.I. Kona Coffee on Twitter and HawaiianIsles.com. And of course, we are a hoop ball podcast. You heard that. The British lady told you that right at the outset. The following is a hoop ball presentation. On the docket for today, this Wednesday show, we're obviously going to break down Tuesday's results. A couple of interesting games mixed in there. Uh, in particular, in terms of most interesting results, you probably have to say Spurs Hawks was the one with John Collins' suspension coming yesterday. We got some immediate results on that. Uh, Denver, kind of interesting, obviously in a blowout, but I do think we learned a couple of things. And then Terrence Ross got hurt for the Magic, or has been playing hurt, one of the two. And that may explain a few things, but he's also out for their second half of their back-to-back tonight. Not that he was playing very well anyway. We'll obviously get you ready for Wednesday's card. We have nine games coming up tonight. We've got all the betting lines out. One of them is a very big one. <laughs> And what something I'd like to do here on Wednesdays going forward is basically turn it into a buy low, sell high day. The middle of the week, normally we talk to Brandon, but I screwed that up today. Uh, so we'll talk to Brandon next week. So I'm just going to do it myself on this one. 
but Wednesdays is going to be buy low, sell high day on the podcast. We'll get into some names that you can probably scoop up at a little bit of a discount. Try to give you some idea of what kind of discount that actually would be. And that's a good way to build your team incrementally as you slowly kind of work your way up the charts. Match a sell high with someone else's buy low. So a little bit different. A little bit different on the format for today's show. Jumping right in, of course, first thing we got to do is cover what happened on Tuesday night because it's already late morning here on the Pacific Coast on Wednesday, so you guys have probably had to make your decisions already. But here's my thoughts. Number one, Boston wins in Cleveland high-scoring game uh, in Ohio. Gordon Hayward, 39-7-8 on 17 out of 20 shooting from the field and 4-4-4. At the free throw line, this was a guy, he's, he was a D-bombs, you guys may recall, Gordon Hayward, um, and he is exceeding all expectations right now. You know, I thought he would chug along at, you know, maybe like a top 65 clip and play in a lot of ball games this year because he wants to play, he wants to show he's durable. He's number 29 in 9-cat after this whopper of a game, which, by the way, does make him a little bit of a sell-high guy. But I do also think he's going to have a really nice season. He's averaging 27 and a half and four. Rebounding might come down as the Celtics get a little bit healthier in the front court. Jalen Brown's been out with a mysterious illness for like three games now. But regardless, he is storming the damn castle at present. What a dominant start. I mean, he's ranked higher than some of these other guys that we've been yelling and screaming about. In any case, hell of a start. Gordon Hayward, also a sell high. We'll get into that a little bit in the buy low, sell high portion of the proceedings. Kemba Walker, he's settling in now with the Celtics. Didn't take too long. Jason Tatum, a little bit of a quieter game, but still a pretty good one. Daniel Tice, five blocks. And, you know, he's locked into a big role as long as all of the other centers are out. So if you want to stream... Keep an eye on things, though. Obviously, if you know if somebody comes back, that somebody being probably Ennis Cantor, then Tice takes a big hit. But right now, he's starting. He's playing big minutes. He's in front of the Time Lord. Robert Williams only played 14 and a half in yesterday's ball game. Uh, Tice has the a relatively juicy stat set as well. He's probably not owned in your league. I'm doubting that many people are streaming him. I think he's owned in none. I don't think any of my higher-profile leagues. And he has 10 blocks in his last three games. I mean, if you want to get a quick shot in the arm in the blocks department, that's your spot to do it. And he's probably going to shoot like two for three or three for four in a ball game. He's just not going to do anything else besides rebound and block shots on a good percentage. He should be streamed. I mean, there's if you're in a games cap format, this mega block run that he's on... Puts him in that top 60, top 70 type range. Short term, I get it. It's not going to last forever. He's number 63 over the last week. 50% shooting, three and a half blocks per game, basically. Almost nine rebounds. So I I don't know why people have been so reticent to stream him. He's looked pretty good. I haven't talked about him very much because Boston hasn't played in freaking forever before last night. But what seemed like forever, they had three days off. But I don't know the exact timeline of anybody else, and they play again tomorrow. So flip him in there. And it's Charlotte, man. That's more block opportunities. Blopportunities. 
So there was something from this ballgame. Kevin Love, he's trucking along. Tristan Thompson is trucking along. Larry Nance Jr. actually finally had a good performance, but he did it in only 15 minutes. So I'm actually, I am more down on Nance after this game than I was after any of his high-minute, low-production games. Most games, he's been around 25 minutes or more. He has a 25, a 30, a 26, a 27. He hasn't done much with him. His steals are not there. His field goal percent has been down. He's at 48 this year, even after yesterday's 5-for-6 performance. I did not like the 15 minutes, but he should still be on a fantasy team. Even with this very slow start, he's still number 145. So he, as we've talked about before, he's like two games away from bolting inside the top 100. It just doesn't take much to move quickly when you're in that neck of the woods. Chetty Osmond still doesn't interest me. Colin Sexton has a terrible 9-cat game, but he did make all seven of his free throws in this one. Jordan Clarkson, he had two blocks. And he's been, he has been to this point a nine cat guy. I just don't know if I can trust it because generally all he does is score. And so far this year, he's at 1.5 combined steals and blocks, 93% at the foul line, which is another jump for him, 82%. Not, not that he's been bad in his career, but 93 is a huge leap forward. And last year, in bigger minutes, he had .9 combined defensive steals and blocks. So that's almost doubled. Most of the other stuff has sort of stayed the same. So I got to think that a leveling off is coming here. If you want to ride him while things are going in his direction, feel free. But uh, from a 9-cat perspective, there's a bottom about to fall out. Indiana lost in Charlotte. They could probably use one or maybe both of their big men back. Uh, Goga Batadze, he's also your, a streaming option who's getting, I think, a lot more attention than Daniel Dice. Jeremy Lamb, great. Brogdon, great. TJ Warren, terrific. I can't believe he got dropped in the league of mine. I tried to get him with a waiver priority, but I just didn't have it. I mean, you had to know after a couple of slow games he would settle in. And obviously with some other people hurt, overtime game, huge performance. Questions have been answered. They sure do have a lot of TJs on that team. Charlotte, Devontae Graham. Boy, he's going to be, he might end up being the pickup of the year, actually. And I am kicking myself because I saw it happening and I was too damn slow. I waited two and a half games when I should have grabbed him after one and a half. That one's going to eat at me all season long because he's playing and nothing's coming for his minutes. PJ Washington. Uh, suffered a leg bruise in this ball game, so he's questionable for the next one, but obviously he's a guy you're hanging on to. Same with Terry Rozier. Uh, Cody Zeller has now settled back into what he's always been. I was pretty excited about him those first few games of the year. It looks like it looked at least like he was going to be something different. Um, he's He's sort of fallen back into the usual mode. I will say this. For Zeller, his minutes have been down the last two ball games for reasons I don't fully understand. Golden State, you know, you can make the argument that, that it's hard to keep a center on the floor. Uh, with Charlotte and Goga, or, uh, Indiana and Goga out there, there was certainly an opportunity to play a big man. Zeller's steal and block rate is down right now this year in two weeks, and that might come back up, which would sort of push him back well inside the top 100. He's sitting right at the edge of the top 100. He's number 102 Actually, depending on what site you look at, he's anywhere between like 98 and 104. Uh, so again, easy leap for him to make, but this was a bad one. This is a bad look. And Dwayne Bacon is terrible. I, I, I got it. Please, if someone is telling you to pick up Dwayne Bacon, please tell them to, to bleep off. 
San Antonio at Atlanta, our first look post John Collins. Trey Young had a 30-minute limit in this ballgame, so he made the most of it with a usage of 40. 29 points, 13 assists, five three-pointers. even had two steals in this ballgame. Nice work, Trey. Um, he's always going to have these little things that are not perfect with his game, which is what we talked about through the offseason. And from a nine-cat perspective, he was always going to have an insanely tough time hitting his ADP. Because, you know, when he was trucking along at the end of last season, it was because his field goal percent was up, and he was still just sort of inside the top 40. Look at Trey Young's numbers so far this year. By the way, this is not me trying to talk talk down on Trey Young. This is me trying to set expectations. Number one, he's shooting 49%. Good as the he may be, that's not going to last all season long, especially not on the volume he's at, and especially not now with basically no help. He's hitting 50% of seven and a half three-pointers a game. That's not going to stick. He's a very good shooter, but, I mean, 40 is like the gold standard from three. His free throw percent could actually come up a little bit. He's at a high volume 78 right now. We'd love to get that up back to 83 where he was last season. Rebounds, assists, that's all in line. High, high, high turnovers, which of course is going to happen when your usage is 40. And he's scoring a ton. And you roll all of that together, and in 9-cat, he's still barely a second-rounder. He's number 23, so he's right just behind where he was getting drafted. So with all of these brilliant mega performances, the massive turnover number is a drag. It's a drag. How do guys like James Harden overcome stuff like that? Well, ultra-high-volume free-throw stuff. Harden been able to do that. Bigger defensive stats. That's not going to happen for Trey. So what do we do in this spot? I think you ride it out. If you've got him on your team, and I do actually have him in a couple of spots. I know I said that he was a guy I probably wouldn't end up with, but he fell to me, and there are a few leagues where he made a lot of sense on my team. A punt turnovers, head-to-head league a league with you know field goal made and free throw made as categories, things like that. He, he fits the mold more than a standard nine-cat roto format. So I do have some trays. Have some trays. I think, uh, what is it, cover band? Have some trays. I, I think if you have him, you just ride it out. See what happens here with John Collins out. He's going to be going ballistic every night, and I think you just sort of take the bad with the good. There will be some bad, and there's going to be some intense good. And you just realize that he's probably not going to be a top 15 guy, not with the turnovers that high, and not with the fact that his percentages are going to level off here. But the other stuff is going to be huge. The assists, the points, the threes, they're going to be through the roof. So just enjoy that, I think. That's my move in this one. I'm not buying on him. Because anybody that has him knows his usage is about to be crazy. And you'd have to pay through the nose for a guy who's probably going to perform, again, 9-cat, worse than expect. 8-cat, he's, he's going to be a behemoth. You can go into your player rank or whatever tool you use and make it a punt turnover team and watch him rocket up the charts. And he goes way up. Then he's an early second rounder right now with turnovers turned off. And uh, with them turned on, he's at the end of the second round. That's, I mean, that's the magic of 4.6 turnovers a game. There are a lot of guys that have a crazy high number of turnovers this year. James Harden's at 5.7. Woof. Anyway, uh, so yeah, 8-cat, 
he's, you know, just past the turn, nine caddies like a round later. But the real reason we were watching this game wasn't so much to see what Trey Young would do, but what to see, number one, what the hell's with the rotations in San Antonio? Does any of this become a little more clear? And the answer from this ballgame was a hard no. And then on the Atlanta side, who gets to do stuff now with John Collins out? On Twitter, I thought DeAndre Bembry might get a longer look, and maybe he would have, but he had five turnovers in 19 minutes. He did have four defensive stats in 19 minutes, and that's always kind of been his jam, which is why I thought, boy, if this guy's minutes move up, you've got something interesting. His game log, I mean, you can do it over the last season and a half. If you look at DeAndre Bembry's game log and try to hunt down the ones where he played... I don't know, 27 minutes or more. They are impressive. He has a really interesting fantasy game. Uh, like, look at look at last year, because he actually has one of them this season as well. Go find the games from last year where DeAndre Bembry was playing bigger minutes. The percentages are not going to be good. You have to hope he doesn't get to the free throw line. He's shooting, I think, what, 33% at the foul line this year or something horrible like that. Uh, but last year... You know, go back towards the beginning of the season, three defensive stats in a game he saw 27 minutes, then four defensive stats in one he saw 27 minutes. He played 33 minutes, had four defensive stats again. It's pretty common for him. You're not going to average four. He had a game with six when he played 26 minutes. What we really need to look at is it's not an outlier for him to pile up steals and blocks when given the opportunity. In early January last year, I think this was Kent, when Kent Bazemore was down, DeAndre Bembry got a really long look. Herter might have been out also at that point. I don't remember precisely, but I can quickly pull up, you know, sort of a, a game by game. Bembry had a stretch uh, between January 6th and January 28th of, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 games where he played 26 minutes or more in each of them, all 11 games, he, averaged, he, he was at 26 minutes or higher, and in many of them, he was around 30 or 31. In those 11 games, the only game where he didn't have, well, let's scratch that, two of the 11, he didn't have a defensive stat. Three of the 11, four of the 11, he had one defensive stat, and that gets us to the remaining five games. He had six, two, five, some of these other ones. I mean, these are big numbers. Uh, two and a three, I think. I may have missed one in there. But, yeah. Suffice it to say, they pile up quick. So that's just a quick glance at a guy's game by game where we actually have evidence of him playing more minutes. Now, he didn't in yesterday's ball game. That's the, the counterpoint, which is like, Dan, why are you talking about him so much? He only played 19 minutes. I strongly believe that there are going to be games, and maybe it's a little bit more matchup dependent or hot hand dependent, where he chews up those 26, 27 minutes. That's why he's the first guy I was watching. Besides Jabari Parker. Sorry, we should have started with that. Jabari Parker's an obvious ad. He's going to have to score a bunch. He's like a souped-up version of Bobby Portis, who's not going to smash anybody out of the country. He's not going to face-punch anyone out of the NBA. So Jabari Parker is an obvious ad. His 9-cat game is also severely lacking, by the way. We overlook a lot of issues with Jabari Parker because he can score a little bit. Uh, he's averaging 15 points a game right now, and that's going to go up. His rebounds are going to go up. 
Uh, but he doesn't steal. He doesn't block shots. He doesn't hit many three-pointers, and his free throw percentage is not good. So be aware there are areas, especially nine-cat, uh, well, basically almost any category league, I can say eight-cat too, where he's going to hurt you. His turnover is probably just not going to be that good, but they're not going to be that bad either. So we call that one a wash. But the free throw thing, that's a problem. The defensive stats, that's a problem. Maybe they come with him playing more like 30 minutes instead of 23 or 24. But they haven't lately. It's a funny thing about these guys. We, we get really caught up in the counting stats, particularly scoring. But like, even in his strong run with the Wizards last year, he was barely a top 100 guy because of the free throw stuff. It didn't make up for the high turnovers. And the, you know, the, other st- the good stuff didn't make up for the bad. That's the short version of it. So yes, you're picking up Jabari Parker. He's not going to be as good as everybody thinks in this stretch. He's going to score and he's going to grab rebounds. That's damn true. But one of these other guys is going to be the one that has to take a jump forward. Uh, in yesterday's game, it was DeAndre Hunter who played big minutes and actually had a pretty good ball game. And he's probably going to be heavily owned in leagues because he has kind of a buzzy name uh, as a, you know, buzzy rook. He is 16-8 and eight with two three-pointers on OK percentages was a pretty strong departure from what we'd seen so far from him this year. This is why I'm afraid of DeAndre Hunter. Number one, he's young, and you guys know how I feel about guys that don't have that portfolio. Um, 41% from the field, 77 at the free throw line. We don't really know where those are going to settle for a guy just getting his sea legs. No defensive stats in yesterday's game, which has actually been kind of a theme for him so far this year. He's averaging 0.7 steals and 0.3 blocks in 28 minutes a game already. So even if that goes up some, how much is it going to have to be? The rebounding has been meh at best. I'm sure it'll get a little bit better now with no Collins on the floor. But in terms, again, of just straight fantasy stat set, DeAndre Bembry is the guy. Kevin Herter would be my second choice in this, but he doesn't look that great. And I've always kind of been a a Herter denier on this podcast. I didn't pick him up last year. I didn't pick him up this year. I didn't draft him anywhere. And we talked about how his game hadn't fully evolved to that point yet. He's been cleared to play 30 minutes. He just didn't get there. If he gets to 30 minutes, I think you have to add him because he can hit some shots. He can score a little bit. He's kind of an across-the-board, like, new Chandler Parsons. Was that a fair assessment here? Little bit of a lot of things. He had a steal in two blocks in yesterday's game. So maybe those numbers get better. His minutes right now, when you look at his season totals, are only 21 minutes. Field goal percent of 33. That's going to come back. He's a good foul shooter. We know he can hit the three-pointer. I think he's the guy and Bembry's the guy. And by the way, Kevin Herter is owned in all of my leagues, despite being ranked number 224. So, you know, see if he's out there. He's been wildly over-owned to this point, but maybe he can step through the door and clear a little space. Um, again, DeAndre Hunter, yeah, he's probably worth a look, but that fantasy stat set has not shown itself to be fully there yet. Lakers came back, beat the Bulls. Um, Chicago Twitter was not happy about the way that this one went down. Lakers Twitter was relieved LeBron James is a monster, man. He definitely took last year off. I had that tinfoil hat thing going, and now I feel like it's confirmed. Uh, Bench was good. Actually, JaVale McGee was good in his 17 minutes. We always said he only needed 20, um, but he's not getting to 20. Dwight Howard played more minutes. The team was better when Dwight was on the floor. 
even though JaVale had a better stat line in this one, he's not, he's just not helping the way that they need him to. Kyle Kuzma, he's a, a, you know, he's working his way back from a very rusty situation. He did have 15 points in this game and, you know, he'll continue to score, but also not a great nine cat guy either. The Bulls looked like they were ready to put up a pretty good ball game in this one. Otto Porter at 18, four three-pointers. He shot the ball well, and then he vanished in the fourth quarter. Tomas Sadoransky, 7-4-6. and six. I mean, he was a couple of actual attempts from the field away from a really nice fantasy line. Kobe White got hot and then got cold. Larry Markkinen stayed crazy cold. And Wendell Carter Jr. had an empty double-double with a bunch of missed free throws. Once again, Zach Levine sort of held it down on the offensive end, but missed a bunch of assignments on defense. And this Chicago team is super depressing. I have thoughts on buy lows and sell highs when we get to that section of this podcast. But just from a straight what-do-we-do standpoint, Otto Porter is an intense hold. Hold. I mean, you saw just flashes of what could be in this ballgame if they let him do some stuff. Tomas Sadoransky is actually back on my watch list. He's been dropped most places, and I'm totally fine with that. If you had him, you can drop him. A lot of people are hanging on to him, too, because he's closer. I'm okay with him sitting on the waiver wire right now, uh, but he has looked a little bit more confident the last couple of ball games. Orlando, Oklahoma City. Nice win for, I say, my thunder. Um, I say my thunder because I have the season win total over in this one. Chris Paul is looking more and more like himself every day. Another strong game from CP3 has moved him now. Remember after like two games, he was number 200. Well, he's number 78 now and climbing. Free throw percent is back to 81. Field goal percent's at 44. Two threes a game. 1.7 steals. The assists are slowly working their way up. And then the fact that he had zero turnovers in yesterday's game is you're starting to kind of see him with a comfort level with these guys around him. That's a great sign. Uh, you're not selling on Chris Paul after a couple of good ball games. This is just him settling in. I think you ride this thing out, and you probably have a bunch of him if you're in Roto like I am. And, you know, we pushed him on this pod too. So nice to see him coming around here. If you're in head-to-head, you're also not buying him. Shea was good again. Shea Gilgis-Alexander. I'd like to see more in the rebound assist stuff, but I think he's just, you know, he's going to be a scoring guard on this team. Steven Adams came back. Hamadou Diallo has so much energy, it's crazy, but he doesn't do enough when he's out there. Um, And then Dennis Schroeder was the problem in this game. He shot two for 11 from the field. When the shot's not falling, he becomes a liability. I'm holding on Schroeder, particularly an eight cat, because he's always going to have somewhat high turnovers for a reserve guard. Uh, But in nine cat, here's the thing. I don't know that he's a must-hold guy. He's averaging 14, 5, and 4 with a steal and a three-pointer. But both the free throw and field goal percent are terrible so far this year. Free throw, I have to believe, comes back. He's a career 82 percenter, and he's at 74. Field goal percent might just not be good. Maybe it comes up a little bit. One, two percent. But right now in nine cat, he's hurting you. He's number 166. He's a hold. He's got a huge role on this team. He's playing almost 30 minutes a game. Um, but just be aware that guys like that can actually do some damage to your fantasy team at times. Jonathan Isaac was very good again. He really might have turned the corner. I ended up with him almost by accident in one league. I thought he was getting drafted about where he should this year, and he's uh, overperforming, so cool for that. Markel Fultz, 13 points, three boards, four assists. He was actually relatively efficient in this game, but 
24 minutes. DJ Augustine, 27. I think you'll see more faults tonight with no Terrence Ross. And this will be good for Ross just to get right, get his knee right, get get healthy, because he's not, he's not playing like he did last year. And I think he will. He's going to get going. It just takes time, especially if you're injured. Um, this would be a night if you wanted to just drop faults into a lineup. But he's way over-owned given his fantasy limitations. Almost no three-pointers. Percentages have not been great so far. Not a ton of assists or rebounds. It's just, it's it's not, he's got to get into the 30s to even come close. Whatever. Miami blown out in Denver, as I've said so many times. You're never as good as your best game. You're never as bad as your worst. The Heat played one of their best against the Rockets and one of their worst against a very good Denver defense. Kelly Olynyk played well off the bench, so he got some extra run in a blowout loss. So our guy Myers Leonard had 10 quick points in this game and nothing else. And I, I actually put a warning out on Twitter. I said, this is going to be a really tough matchup. People were like, hey, maybe he's going to dunk all over the Nuggets. I was like, nah, that's not going to happen, man. This is a tough defense. This is not the one you want to run him out there for. Kendrick Nunn played 33 minutes in the loss. Justice Winslow got 30. Jimmy Butler had 29. So Spolstra gave it his best with these guys, but it just wasn't close. Winslow, ah, boy, I don't know. I find him to be wildly overowned. also. You guys know I'm, I'm way lower on Winslow than almost everybody else on the planet. Uh, high turnovers, bad field goal, and bad free throw percent. And no three-pointers, really, this year, which is weird because he was taking more of them towards the end of last season. Uh, he's exclusively popcorn. I don't think he even needs to be owned in fantasy. Maybe that's harsh, but I mean, I'd rather have none, N-U-N-N, Kendrick none, not, not none of these guys. Kendrick none I'd rather have. Uh, I think I'd rather have Tyler Harrell, even after a bad ball game yesterday over Winslow. Sounds crazy, but I mean, he's like fourth on my my pecking order here with this team. I'm holding on to Leonard. He's starting. If this wasn't a blowout and, and Olenek hadn't played a little bit better, uh, he has the first crack at those minutes, so I'm giving this another one. Let him play a team that's... Well, they're playing the Lakers next, so God help those centers again. This is a bad time to have a Heat big man. I mean, Bam Adebayo was actually pretty bad again in this ballgame, too. Nice to see Jimmy Butler kind of escape without a terrible ball game. 16-7-4 with two steals. He didn't shoot the ball well, but he made a bunch of free throws, so that was okay. The Denver side I actually thought was more interesting because with the blowout, you can throw a little bit of the Miami stuff away. Um, and certainly with the minutes on the Denver side, you can dump some of those as well. Nikola Jokic was in foul trouble in the first half. He had 9-5-5, five, and five, which is horrible. Sorry, I can't sugarcoat it with Jokic. He's number 53, and you probably spent your sixth pick on him. I am so upset. And Aaron Bruski can confirm this. He and I were having a heated text debate. That's actually not true. It was me saying, Brew, am I nuts? I have the sixth pick in one league, and I think I'm taking Joel Embiid. And he was like, well, basically, if you get Embiid to like 68 games, if you're punting turnovers, that's a better pick. And I thought, man, that's so risky, though. I, can, I can't do the risky thing. How can I do the risky thing? I should have done the damn risky thing. I have regrets. I have regrets. Uh, I mean, he's he's so risky, and it is a head-to-head league, so maybe by the end of the year I'll, I'll have fewer regrets on that front. Maybe I should have just taken Kawhi Leonard at that spot. Uh, but for Jokic, listen, he looks fat. 
I know he's always kind of a soft-bodied sort. You can get away with that when you're super-duper young. He's 24, so he's still pretty damn young. Um, he's listed at 7 feet 250, and that's not close. He is way more than 250. He's big, and he is lumbering like an ox this year, and all of his numbers are way down. Way down. Shooting 46% from the field, 28 from downtown, 77 at the foul line. He's down a rebound. He's down one and a half assists. He's down 0.3 steals and five points per game. But luckily, turnovers stayed exactly at 3.1. This tells me two things. Number one, he's out of shape. And until he gets that fixed, some of these numbers are actually going to stay down. However... The Nuggets are going to need him to be a little bit more like what he was last year. If they want to make any noise. And I know they're 5-2 and two because they're deep and they play defense. They have also had, one would say, relatively easy opening schedule. The Nuggets played the Blazers and won, so that's probably a playoff team. They beat the Suns, who are obviously better than we thought. Maybe a playoff team. I'm still not fully convinced. The Kings, they lost to the Mavs. They lost to the Pelicans, and then they beat the Magic. This game against the Heat was a nice win for them. I'll give them that. But they've got the Sixers coming up. Actually, then their schedule gets easy again. The Nuggets must have one of the easier schedules to start the year. I don't have that number in front of me. But then they've got the Wolves, the Hawks, the Nets... The Grizz. Then it's Rockets, Celtics, Suns, Wizards, and Kings. Lakers, Knicks, Celtics. It's bad teams blended in everywhere. Where is the stretch? Every team has a stretch where it's just like five games in a row against really good teams. When does that come for the Nuggets? That might be not be till January. Hmm. In any event, um, they've got they've grabbed a couple wins against teams that they should. And they need Jokic. That is a long way of saying they need Jokic. This is... It's actually a pretty good segue into the next uh, segment we're going to do on today's podcast, but not quite to that point yet. Um, Elsewhere on the Nuggets, Jeremy Grant had a really nice game because Paul Millsap got hurt. Uh, I think his face got cut up or something. He'll probably play in the next one, so I wouldn't read too much into it. Will Barton came back and played 32 minutes. I've been a bit hard on Barton. But I've really mostly just been kind of hard on the Nuggets and the fact that they're rotating bodies in so freely. Uh, Gary Harris also got hurt, turned an ankle in the third quarter of this ballgame. I believe he's considered probable, but also he's a guy who heals very slowly. So here's the thing. I've been kind of bitching and moaning about this team, about the way that they've divvied up their minutes. Uh, But Gary Harris is averaging 30 minutes a game as their starting small forward. Will Barton's averaging 30 minutes a game as their starting shooting guard. Paul Millsap is averaging 24 minutes as the starting power forward. He's number 103. Gary Harris is 141. Will Barton is in the high 60s in terms of rank. So there is value there. Watching them play every single game, I think, will drive you crazy. And that's probably what happened to me. I will admit to the fault of checking each game's box score and kind of gravitating to the ones that were more frustrating and putting a little less stock in the ones that were actually a bit better. 
So no, you're not buying into the reserves in this ballgame. It was a blowout, so they got extra run. Uh, but Will Barton deserves to be on your team and started, and you just sort of do the Danny Green treatment. That's the best way to describe it. Just look at the end of the month or every two weeks or something like that, and if he's still hovering in that top 75 range, great. If he totally falls apart for two weeks in a row, then, yeah, things maybe you get a little bit ugly. Uh, Gary Harris, on the other hand, he's playing plenty of minutes, and he's just doing nothing with them. It's hard to recommend a drop on a guy who's done it in the past and is playing enough minutes to do it again, but just isn't. But he might sort of, well, just not be the same guy. I think Paul Millsap belongs on your team. He sort of does enough stuff to warrant that spot. He's probably my favorite, actually, of those guys, just because he does have a history of getting steals and blocks and threes and rebounds and assists. He's doing a lot of low usage stuff this year. The steals and blocks are down, but he's making his free throws. That's probably not going to hold all season long. So I don't know what's going to happen with him. Does he regress in the good way or in the bad way or both? So I'm okay with it. Um, These guys should all be on fantasy teams. And it's going to be frustrating on a night-to-night basis, right? Like, so Millsap had that 15-minute game where he had 10-3, and and then he had the 23-8 and game before that. They're all, like, they've all turned into Danny Greens in that you just can't look every night or you'll lose your mind. So Barton, Millsap, they're a cut above Gary Harris, but those guys all probably should be on a fantasy team, much as I hate to admit it. I'll be nicer. Sorry, guys. I've been too mean. Folks, check out manscaped.com for your male specialty grooming needs. Manscaped. With a D on the end, M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D.com. They have redesigned the electric trimmer. The Lawnmower 2.0 has skin-safe technology, trims at 6,000 strokes per minute, charges for a 60-minute battery life, and the trimming head is replaceable, and it's waterproof. So you can take it off, you can wash that bad boy. And you should, you disgusting, filthy human. Uh, they've also partnered with the Testicular Cancer Society to raise awareness about the most common form of cancer in men age 15 to 35. Great product, great company, doing great things with a great volunteer organization. Check it out, please. Hoopball is the promo code. Hoopball, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L. You get 20% off your order and free shipping. That saves you like 12 bucks. Shipping is not nothing on like big boxes of items. Free shipping, 20% off. Promo code HoopBall. Manscaped.com is the website. Again, it's the past tense. You have been manscaped. HoopBall, promo code, 20% off free shipping. Check it out right away. Buy low, sell high segment begins, ladies and gentlemen. And I we, we sort of glossed over a few of them there as we were going down Tuesday's card. But figure we might as well just bring him back into the forefront. Nikola Jokic is a stellar by low because his numbers, I mean, I would argue he had really one game that made you think this is Jokic. And that was that 41-minute game against the Phoenix Suns in overtime. 23-14-12, a steal, two blocks in that one. He's not hitting that many three-pointers, which I guess is fine if the field goal percent was there. But that is going to regress positively. Free throw percent will regress positively. He's just got to get his ass in shape. But he's ranked 53 right now, and there's probably an owner that drafted him at 6, because that's where he was going in every damn league, that is a little bit annoyed and thinking they got they got a guy who's going to be a second or third rounder instead of a first. 
So maybe you go, take someone that you drafted in the second or third round that's going bananas, and grab yourself a Jokic. Who is the question? First name that pops into my mind, Kemba Walker. Drafted mid-second round, performing mid-second round. Pascal Siakam, drafted third round, performing second round. Donovan Mitchell, drafted third round, performing second round. Devin Booker, big scoring numbers. Wait till he puts up another 40-burger. Throw him out there. That's probably about as low as you can go. Nobody's going to want to talk to you if you're throwing someone you drafted in the fourth round their way. It's going to have to be someone drafted third round or earlier who's performing at or above their ADP and in a kind of buzzy way, too. Right? Like, Booker is a buzzy guy. Donovan Mitchell is a buzzy guy. And they're both playing well. Kemba Walker is a safe guy, but playing well. I wouldn't go higher than that. I mean, hell, you could try Trey Young if you're a nine cat. If you're willing to give up some scoring. Isn't that the funny thing right now? There's no doubt in my mind that Jokic, on a per-game basis, ends up in front of Trey Young, who has all the buzz in the world. And you could go... Fire him out there. You probably drafted him at, what, 22? Go get yourself a guy drafted in the middle of the first round. We know who Jokic is. Scoring's going to come back up a little bit. Might not get all the way to 20 since the Nuggets are a little more healthy this year. But he'll have his 10 rebounds. He'll have his 6, 7 assists. He'll have his steals and, you know, some blocks. It's going to cost you in three-pointers. It's going to cost you, I don't know, one, two assists. When you get six extra rebounds bunch of extra blocks, better percentages in both by the end of the year. There's no question in my mind. That's an interesting one. I would start with some of these other guys, though. Start with those third-rounders, work your way up the chart. He might be the most interesting current buy low because you're looking at a potential first-rounder. Uh, Drew Holiday's a buy low. You could have him, I think, for cheaper. Look at guys you drafted in the fourth, fifth round that are overperforming. Jason Tatum, he might get you Drew Holiday right now. It's actually a lot of guys drafted in the third round that are clunking it up. We talked about the third being a weird spot. Malcolm Brogdon could probably get you Drew Holiday right now. Kyle Lowry might be able to get you Drew Holiday. Kevin Love might be able to get you Drew Holiday. And all those names that I just rattled off, I wouldn't, by the way, part with those guys for Rudy Gobert because I don't think he's actually going to be an early second-round guy this season. You heard me talk about it on the podcast I went Drummond way in front of him. I have multiple Drummonds and no-go Bears on my team. That being said, he is still a buy low. But you could go way down your list as someone to throw out there for Gobert. Gordon Hayward? I mean, right? Drafted 70-80, shooting top 30 right now. Kelly Oubre? Would I part with Jonathan Isaac for Rudy Gobert? Mm questionable maybe Al Horford people wouldn't want it even though he's number 19 they should love those old guys love those old guys go farther down the list Damanis Sabonis Hassan Whiteside Freddie Van Vliet so it really depends I mean this is the art of the buy low sell high you look for guys overperforming I find the fastest way to do it make a list Here's what we're doing right now. Make a list of guys drafted by round because you're going to want to try to get into the psyche of your opponent's head. 
Someone they drafted in the first round, there's just no way they're going to give them away for anything other than someone drafted in the first three rounds. It doesn't matter how bad they're doing or how well your guys are performing. Someone drafted in the second round, it's going to probably have to be somebody drafted in the first four. Five, maybe? I guess we could go five or six. I mean, Gobert's been so bad, you could probably go five or six. Someone in the third round underperforming, that's when you start to really open things up. Look at some of these underperformers in the third. De'Aaron Fox, Jaron Jackson Jr., Buddy Heald, Mike Conley, Otto Porter, D'Angelo Russell. Fourth round guys underperforming. Larry Markinen, CJ McCollum. Why the hell was he doing in the fourth round? He should have been in the 60s. Uh, DeMar DeRozan. I'd say Eric Bledsoe, but he's already gotten it going a little bit, so we'll take him off the list. Um, we're not going to go any farther down. Well, Josh Richardson, Julius Randle, pull up. Instead of giving you a whole bunch of examples on today's show, we went through a couple. Those are a few of my favorites. Here's what I want you guys to do as an exercise at home. We're going to have homework of games to watch too, but this is another piece of homework. I know how to do this on Yahoo. I'm sure you can find it on other websites as well. Go to the Yahoo Player page and click to sort by preseason rank. Click on the preseason rank button to sort them that way. So this is basically how guys were being drafted. And then look for massive discrepancies between the preseason and the current ranking. Jokic, drafted at 6, he's ranked 53. Colossal. Bradley Beal drafted 10, he's ranked 44. I wouldn't call that colossal, and I'd also say he's had a couple of good games, so you have to look at recency bias as well. Rudy Gobert, drafted 15, sitting at 121. He's not blocking any shots this year. His rebounds are down. The, The shot blocking is the one that really kills you. That'll come back. Maybe not as much as we want. You have to look for the big drops. So like Mitchell Robinson, 43, was drafted in the 30s. Nah, doesn't count. Darren Fox, drafted at 26, he's at 191. Both of his percentages are terrible. We knew the free throw wasn't going to be good. Steals are down. Hasn't had a couple of better games, so make it a little bit tougher. But right now it's scoring and his percentages are not very good. Buddy Heald, he's sort of the next one on that list. Buddy Heald, he's at 139 because his percentages are way down. That's something you really got to look for. What's causing it? Jaron Jackson Jr., 135. Conley, Porter, Russell. We just mentioned all of these names. Huge drop-offs between preseason and current ranking. And then assess whether you believe these guys, how far they're going to actually get back. De'Aaron Fox, he'll probably be a top 50 guy by the end of the year. Buddy Heald, he'll be a top 50 guy by the end of the year. Mike Conley? Maybe top 60. We could probably adjust him down a little bit. Otto Porter, same deal. Russell, well, he was getting overdrafted anyway. Larry Markkinen, do you trust the Bulls? I don't really. So maybe I take him off the list of guys I consider targeting here. So you have to figure out the big drop-off, what's causing it, meaning can it come back to the norm? You know, Buddy Heal's not going to shoot 40% from the field, 75 at the line all season long. Eventually, he's going to fall into one steal per ball game. Well, maybe not. Right now, it's the percentages. That's, what is, that's what's all off for him. And the turnovers are super high. It's a really easy equation for a guy like Buddy Heald. So that's a guy you put on your list to target. Otto Porter, 
Chicago Bulls are a pain in the butt. I don't know if I'd put him on my list of guys to target, even though you could have him for like next to nothing, so he's not the greatest example. Then, the other thing you do, keep it sorted the same way and look for guys who have actually made a giant leap the other direction. So, think, also think about buzz guys as well. You put them on the list, and you just have to sort of be aware of those dudes. Uh, Andre Drummond, he's a mid-first rounder right now. What do we think is going to happen there? I actually think a lot of this stuff is fairly sustainable for him. He's a beast. He was a mid-first rounder for the last two months last year. There's not a huge reason why that can't actually continue. Contract year, I'm not selling on him. Donovan Mitchell, drafted in the third round. He's performing like a second rounder. Can this hold? Can he actually shoot 42% for, or excuse me, 52% for a whole year? I don't think so. He's really dialed down his three-pointers. That's been a, a large boon for his fantasy value to get the percentage up by eliminating some of the poorer shots he was taking. Uh, assists are actually down this year, not surprisingly, with Conley around. Steals are way up. Turnovers are way down. There's stuff with Donovan Mitchell that makes you think this probably won't hold perfectly all season long. You got him in the third? See if you can swing him for a guy in the second. Someone that you feel pretty strongly is going to finish mid-second round. Any of those guys we were talking about before? Vooch? He's been a little bit of a letdown. I would... Yeah. Absolutely. I would love to have Vooch on my team. He's not going to shoot 41% for a whole year. No way. I would absolutely trade Donovan Mitchell away for Nikola Vucevic. You're going to take it in scoring, but... Yeah, other stuff is going to get beefy there. Absolutely. Who else is overperforming as an easy name to pull off the list? The reason we're doing this in sort of a broad topic method right now, by the way, is because I think next week when we talk to Brandon, we'll actually pull out some of our favorites. Tobias Harris, he's number 27. I think that can hold. His free throw percent is actually down. So even if the field goal number comes down a little bit, free throw will come up. He's good, man. He's just good. I think he can hold at 27. So I wouldn't actually trade him for anything other than a guy you think finishes near the top 25. And maybe you don't even have to look for a guy who's underperforming. Who was drafted at the end of the second round that actually could fit that mold? Do you want Miles Turner or Tobias Harris? I probably actually want Tobias Harris there. Vooch, that's another one you could potentially throw out there. He's got the upside to clear that mark. Drew Holiday? Eh, I think I might rather have Tobias right now. I think Drew ends up in that mid-20s range. Bradley Beal, you won't get it. It's not enough. You'd have to put somebody else with it. I would, though. If you could put Tobias Harris with somebody ranked like around 60 on your team, go try to get Bradley Beal. That's worth it. Or pair him up with someone else and go get Jokic. All of this stuff makes sense. So this is your this is your homework. When people are like, who should I target? Who should I target? Well, look for someone on your team who's ranked way higher than where they were drafted and determine... Whether or not, A, it's sustainable, B, it's going to drop off, C, how much you think you can get for it. So that's the equation. I hope that some of those examples illustrate it. Tobias Harris, he's a 27. I think he stays there. So you look for someone who can finish a little bit ahead of that, who's currently ranked a little bit behind that. But I don't think Tobias Harris, I mean, I don't think he settles back to number 40, 45. I think this is where he probably ends up. Whereas with Donovan Mitchell... 
He's having a great start. I do think he settles back a little bit. So now's a great time to go try to get someone even higher. Kevin Love, tough guy to trade. Kyle Lowry, same deal. They both have the injury stuff. Uh, Al Horford, tough guy to trade because people don't realize he's that good. Malcolm Brogdon, there's another name on the list. Is he going to be number 10 all year? No. Go use him to try to get a second rounder. Brogdon's probably going to be a top 40 type guy when Oladipo comes back. So go swing him now for someone in the top 25 range. Sure, maybe you take a hit for the next couple of weeks, but that's a great move. Gordon Hayward, Kelly Oubre. It's easy. Just look at guys who are overperforming and then scout guys that are underperforming. And again, it's not a simple equation. It's not like, oh, well, you know, I got this guy who I drafted at 20, 75 and he's number 25, so I can go target a, a 25 guy. You have to figure out where you think your guy is finishing, and you have to figure out how to use that to get a guy who's going to finish just a little bit in front of that. Does that make sense? I know we're getting in really into the weeds on this one. So let's just take numbers as our example here, and then we're going to finish up by looking at uh, tonight's card. Using numbers, if you drafted someone at 75, that means he was an early 7th round pick in your 12-teamer. And he's performing at a top 25 clip right now. You know he's probably not going to be a number 25 at the end of the year. But let's say you strongly believe that he will finish top 45. What you do is you look at this chart and look for someone drafted maybe in the 30s who's performing maybe in the 70s or 80s or worse. But you know this is a guy who's going to finish the year about a round in front of the guy you've got. This is your one chance to make that switch. If you wait until the other guy gets hot or your guy starts to cool off, it's too late. You have to make the move when it's hardest to make the move and trust that the guys will perform the way you know they will in your heart over the rest of the season. Like we told you guys to go get proven guys for Freddie Van Fleet. He's still playing well, and he will continue to play well. But slowly but surely, he'll come back to earth. You know, top 10 was top 20, was top 30, is top 40. And he'll settle into that probably 60 to 70 to 80 range. Maybe 65, 75. You drafted him when? 90, 100? But if you could swing him for someone who was definitely going to finish inside the top 40 or 50... That's something you should have or should still be trying to do. Because he's playing well. You know he's going to settle in. You have someone who's afraid of their guy not performing up to snuff. Folks, check out Game Time Premium at hoop-ball.com. Click on the Premium tab and choose Preview Game Time Premium. It's our all-season-long membership. You get all the premium articles, pickups, drops, projection tools, dynasty tools, start-sit tools, schedule grid, streaming grid, and my favorite, as a member of the podcast division here at hoop-ball.com, live shows where you can ask the best of the best of the best questions as we are on air. What should I do? Here's a trade for my team. Which side should I take and why? We'll nail it. Ethan Noroff, Eric Ong, Brandon Marcus, me, Aaron Bruski. The list goes on and on. Riaz, Josh, Surio, Neil. The best of the best of the best. Live, interactive shows with our Hoop Ball pros. Check it out. Use promo code DOC, D-O-C, to get $3.50 off your purchase 
of HoopBall's Game Time Premium. It's a more fun name this year. Your Wednesday evening card. Did I call today Tuesday? I didn't sleep enough. Uh, Your Wednesday evening card, nine games. Washington is at Indiana. Uh, Pacers at home off the overtime loss. By the way, that's already built into the line. Indiana by three and a half is after they adjusted for the overtime. If you're like, oh, they're tired. Yeah, that's already in there. They're just not that good right now. New York, four-point underdogs on the road at Detroit. It's a pretty fair line, I think. Golden State, 15.5-point dogs at Houston. I wouldn't touch that one with a 10-foot pole. Atlanta, two-point favorites to the Chicago Bulls. Toronto by 7.5. They're hosting the Kings. This should be a tough one. Minnesota by 5 on the road at Memphis. That's a lot of points to lay on the road. Dallas, 7.5-point favorites against Orlando on the back-to-back. Utah by 2. They're hosting the 76ers with Joel Embiid coming back. And the Milwaukee Bucks are six-point road favorites against the Clippers, who will not have Kawhi Leonard in their lineup tonight. Um, If Philly had not just lost in Phoenix, this would be a place to fade the 76ers when a superstar comes back. There's usually an over-adjustment by the line, so I do have a lean to the Utah Jazz in this ballgame. And otherwise, I'm looking at some underdogs, really. I think Washington can keep it close with Indiana. I think the Clippers can actually play a little better against Milwaukee than people would think. Again, no Kawhi. It just changes the way teams play, although the Bucs are just steamrolling people right now, so maybe don't get in front of that thing. Uh, Orlando looks terrible, but 7.5 is a lot to cover. Minnesota, that's a lot to lay on the road with Cat coming back. Lean to the Memphis side in that ballgame for sure. Um, And that's probably about it. Atlanta, I think, played over their heads yesterday. Chicago had that horrible meltdown. Both teams on back-to-back. I'd probably look at the total in this game before looking at one of the sides. And uh, Sacramento-Toronto is probably about on point as well. So leans to Memphis. uh, Lean to Utah with stars coming back for both of their opponents. Those are the directions that I would look on the betting front. If you want to bet along with us, do it at mybookie.ag. They will match your first deposit up to $1,000. Go there now. MyBookie.ag. Promo code is today. T-O-D-A-Y. Enter it. When you're signing up for your new account, and they'll match that first deposit again, up to $1,000. MyBookie.ag. We're going to be betting basketball all season long, so do it with us. Promo code, once again, is today. T-O-D-A-Y. From a fantasy perspective tonight... Obviously, you're watching Washington. Assuming Isaiah Thomas is still in the starting lineup, I haven't heard anything to the contrary yet. We'll see how he performs uh, going against a a pretty good backcourt again. And and Malcolm Brogdon would be the matchup in that ballgame. That could be be a good one for Brogdon. Um, Troy Brown played better in their last ballgame as well. He's somebody to sort of keep an eye on with Washington. Davis Breton's running hot and cold, all that good stuff. For the Knicks, uh, geez, they're just they're tough right now, man. They're, t- they're a tough team to deal with. I'd love to know the minutes deal for Mitchell Robinson, but he's been actually better than I think people realize. The Warriors, that's a homework assignment. Let's see how they do against Houston. This will be a better test. This is sort of the, like, everybody's out day two where things get a little tougher. Chicago, you know what we're watching there. Atlanta, that's a homework assignment game as well. Let's see which of their other guys can step up alongside Trey Young. Sacramento-Toronto, not a whole lot to keep track of in that ballgame. Minnesota-Memphis, same deal. I mean, obviously, we're keeping a watch on, on JV's minutes. It's, I think Jaron Jackson Jr. is expected to play. We'll see if that actually holds. 
Um, Orlando Dallas, not a whole lot going on there. Uh, you know, false Augustine with Ross out. That that'll be something, I guess, for hopefully a short term deal with Terrence Ross. Philly, Utah, we've got a pretty good grasp on them, and then Milwaukee and the Clippers. You know, if you want to stream some Clippers guys, I suppose that's on the table as well. And that'll about do it for today's podcast. We had a lot of stuff going on. Uh, wrap it up quickly here. Again, thank you to everybody for listening. I am Dan Bespris. Hit me up if you want to get involved with us here at HoopBall. Again, the recruiting push is still happening. At Dan Bespris on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Uh, or search for Dan from HoopBall on Google. You can find my Twitter account. It's like the four or fifth, fifth, fourth or fifth down the page. Uh, recruiting, obviously, for team journalism coverage. But if you want to get involved on the fantasy side, Just because a lot of the shifts are full doesn't mean it's not worthwhile to check in. We are always looking for good people. We can always find cool things to do. So let me know. Again, at Dan Vespers on Twitter. Folks, have a wonderful Wednesday night. We'll do it again tomorrow. That's how we roll here on this one. So long, everybody. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.